Hey guys, and welcome to Murder and Mysteries with Megan. Um, if you're new here, welcome. And if you're not new here, welcome back. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm grateful for each and every one of you that are here today. Now, before we get started on today's video, I do want to make a couple of disclaimers. Um, this case that we're going to be talking about today, there is a lot of heartbreaking and tough information to get through during this case. So if you're sensitive to certain cases, please proceed with caution. Um, in fact, if you are a younger member of the audience, please make sure to check with an adult before proceeding in this video. Um, I also want to mention that this particular case is still going to court um, and trial is set. However, there has not been a verdict yet given in this case. This case, just like every other one that I present, is for education purposes and to bring awareness to the victims and the crimes that were committed against them. Today's case is a hard one. Um, it's quite horrific and heartbreaking. And these two beautiful young women were taken out of this world far too soon. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Amina and Sarah Saeed. Amina and Sarah Saeed were 18 and 17 years of age when their lives were taken. Amina was said to have been more of the outgoing of the two um, and that she was a little bit more girly than Sarah was. Now, Sarah was a little bit more shy and reserved and was very concentrated on her academic career. In fact, both of the girls were very into their schooling and were quite popular at school. Um, they both reportedly wanted to be doctors when they graduated high school. The two of them were reportedly very kind and had pure and loving spirits. And anyone who knew them said that their smiles would just brighten up a room when they would walk in. Everyone that saw them at school thought that they were happy and that everything was great and that they had a bright future. And unfortunately, there are more sinister things at play behind closed doors. Now, there weren't very many people that the girls were close to that really knew what was going on behind closed doors at the Saeed home. But to get an idea of what's really going on in the girls' home life, I want to talk a little bit about their family first. Sarah and Amina were the daughters of Yasser Saeed and Patricia Owens Saeed. Now, they also had an older brother named Islam, and we'll kind of cover the dynamics of their family here in just a little while. But before we get into all of that, I want to tell you some background on Patricia and on Yasser. Patricia was brought up and raised in Texas, and she did not have a lot growing up. In her mid-teens, she'd go with her brothers and sisters, and they'd go down to the local gas station and hang out and get drinks and candy and stuff like that. Um, in fact, in 1986, they went down to the Circle K um, that was right near their house. And when they did go down there, this is where they first met Yasin and Yasser Saeed. Now, originally, Patricia had been dating Yasin, who was the younger of the two. Um, however, Patricia and Yasin's relationship did not last, and they ended up breaking up. Now, what's kind of strange about this is that after Yasin and Patricia broke up, Patricia and her grandmother were actually out to dinner one night at the local Denny's. And while they were there, Yasser entered into the restaurant and waved hello, said, hey, how you doing? How's it going? Of course, because he knew Patricia from his brother, Yasin, dating her. 
Now, at this time, Yasser was 30 years old. And remember, Patricia's only 15. So there was quite a large age difference between the two, especially considering one was a full-blown adult and one was a teenager. But despite the age difference, Patricia and Yasser started talking more. Yasser started getting to know Patricia's family, and the two of them started to date. Now, shortly after them dating, and I mean very shortly after them dating, within two weeks, Yasser was trying to marry Patricia. Um, Yasser was telling Patricia's family that he had a lot of money, he was very affluent, his family was, that he owned real estate over in Egypt that was worth a lot of money, and that if Patricia actually did follow through and marry him, that she would never have to work a day in her life. Now, of course, the way that Patricia's family was not having a lot of money, they thought, hey, this is a great idea for her to be able to never have to work again. That sounded very, very appealing, especially to Patricia herself. Now, according to the family, Patricia's father wasn't so keen on this idea of her marrying Yasser. And it wasn't just the age thing. There was more to it than that. According to interviews, Patricia's father did not really want her marrying Yasser. There was, you know, a lot of different factors that played in here. He was double her age. They had different religions. Patricia had grown up Southern Baptist, and Yasser, coming from Egypt, had also been raised Muslim. Now, during this time, Yasser's brothers and he were actually all over in the United States with visas when Patricia and her family met them. So even though there were a lot of differences between Patricia and Yasser, the fact that they didn't know each other very well and everything else that played a part in that, Patricia's mother actually convinced her father to allow them to get married and the wedding went forward after just being together for two weeks. Now, of course, all of this is moving very quickly, but so does the rest of their relationship, it seems. So the two of them get married after two weeks of knowing each other. And within just a few years, the two of them had three children together. Islam was born in 1988. Amina was born in 1989. And Sarah followed shortly after in 1990. Now, according to interviews with Patricia, she states that when she was pregnant with Islam, this is when all of the abuse started. She states that the first time that the abuse ever allegedly happened was her and Yasser were talking and goofing off and chatting and stuff like that. And she touched the back of his neck and then he freaked out. He grabbed her by the throat and that's when all the abuse started. She states in this interview that from this point on, the abuse just continued to get worse and worse. And then at points in time, it would happen each and every single day. On top of physically abusing Patricia, she states that Yasser also told her that he should never have married an American and that Americans were no good. Um, he states that he had to raise her because she was only a child when they got married. Remember, she was only 15. He tried telling her that her parents didn't love her, her family didn't love her, they didn't want her, and that's why he had her and had to raise her into an adulthood. Now, of course, as years progress, the children are growing older. They're seeing all of this abuse happen. And the way that they're being raised is also 
totally different from one another. You have, on one hand, you've got Islam, who is the boy, the only boy, and he's being treated as such. Um, he gets special gifts. He gets to go out and do whatever he wants. He pretty much has the freedom that he wants with his life. Sarah and Amina, on the other hand, totally opposite. Now, despite the differences of you know, freedom and responsibility among other displays um, there between Islam and Sarah and Amina, there were more sinister things, unfortunately, at play behind closed doors that not a lot of people knew about. In 1998, the Hill County Sheriff's Department in Texas received a report from Amina, Sarah, and even Patricia was there. The girls had stated that their father had sexually abused them during this time period, they were only eight and nine years old. Sorry, that gets to me a little bit. In one particular statement from Amina, she even stated that her father at one point in time had entered her at least once physically. Now, like I said, their mother was there during this allegation and she even signed the affidavit stating that what her daughters had said was true. After they filed this report, of course, Patricia took the girls and left Yasser. This would be one of the many times that she actually reportedly left him during the years that they were together. However, this time, while she had left, Yasser and his brothers started stalking and following her family and harassing them, asking where Patricia and the girls were and telling them to come back home and this, that, and the other thing, right? So, of course, Patricia states in an interview that she was fearful for her family and that she didn't know what to do. She knew that the Saeed family and the brothers were dangerous. As a result, in January of 1999, Patricia and the girls went down and asked that the courts drop the charges against Yasser. The courts obliged and they didn't pursue charges either. The girl's reasoning for these charges supposedly being dropped is because they just wanted to go live with their grandma. That was all. Sounds a little weird. However, even though the case was dropped against their father and their mother and father got back together and they moved back home, this didn't stop the girls from growing into beautiful, intelligent women, or young women, I should say, with bright futures ahead of them. Another thing it didn't stop was the manipulation, the lying, the control, the stalking, and the absolutely disgusting behavior from continuing. Of course, as the girls grew and became high schoolers, their interest in boys also grew. Well, of course, that's a normal process in life. As you get older, you get interested in having a relationship with someone and having a significant other. That's normal, but not for the girls. See, Yasser was determined that Sarah and Amina were not allowed to date American boys, ever. That just was not an option for them. That he wanted them to date and marry Muslim men, and that was all. In fact, on their summer vacations, when they would go over to Egypt and visit family, their father would also meet with men and try to arrange marriages. One of the potential husbands for Amina was said to have been around 50 years of age while Amina was only 15 during one of their many trips over there. 
Another thing that was going on was that Yasser made sure that if the girls went anywhere, whether it was to school, whether it was to a school event, whether it was to extracurricular stuff, whether it was to work, it did not matter where they went. He wanted eyes on them at all times. So either he would go, he would videotape them in secret, or he would send Islam to go and report back to him everything that happened. Now, of course, like I said, he would even spy on the girls and record them on videotape, sometimes without them even knowing that he was there. In one particular home video, you can see that Yasser is sitting outside of what appears to be Sarah's job. During this video that he takes, Sarah is checking out customers and smiling and speaking with them. That's all part of the job, right? Apparently not to Yasser. In this video, he states that Sarah's going to be in trouble when she gets home because she smiled and is talking to someone at work. Um, of course, Sarah did not know they were out there, but Amina was also in the car and sticks up for her sister. She tells her father in this video that that's just part of her job, that that's not something that is weird and that she should get in trouble for. Of course, things go on and you can hear um, Yasser and Islam in the background of this video talking about how she's going to be in trouble when she gets home and yada, yada, yada. At the end of the video, you can hear Amina say to her father that she was tired, that she just wanted to go home, and that they could spy on Sarah another day. She smiled to the customers. Bella, she has to. Part of her job. She's in trouble. Now, all of these videos are incredibly unnerving to see, and it just displays the pattern of abuse, control, and manipulation that went on in these girls' lives. And that they absolutely had to endure despite their tries to get out of this situation previously. But I have to say the videos that bother me the absolute most are the ones that when Yasser's recording the girls and he, I guess you could say compliments the girls, so to speak, there's something in his voice that makes you think that there is something more that he is thinking about when he says these things. So her sleep with her pants. Good, that's for record, and people see how, how, how you sleep with your clothes. Man! Oh, nice legs. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Take this blanket from this one in the back. No! Go. Going back to the relationship side of things, um, despite warnings and repercussions from Yasser, the two girls were still secretly in relationships with two boys of their own choosing. 
Now, these were American boys, not Muslim. So they, of course, tried to keep this as secretive as possible because, of course, Yasser didn't want them to date anyone that was American and that was not Muslim. The boy that Sarah was dating at the time, his name was Eric. And the boy that Amina was dating, his name, Joseph Moreno. Now, Joseph and Amina actually dated for approximately four years. So this wasn't just some little fling or some little boyfriend. In fact, they were stated to have been potentially getting married. They had planned all of this. So when Amina was older, they could get married. That's how serious this relationship was. They were kind of like the modern day Romeo and Juliet, forbidden love, forbidden to be together, but still trying to find a way around it, meeting in secret. Of course, the girls had always been open and clear with their father that they did not want an arranged marriage. They didn't want to go marry some strange man from Egypt just because he was Muslim. In one of Ruth's emails with Amina, Amina stated this. He's going to take me over there and let some guy choose me like I'm a freaking object. I'd give anything to just get to pick my own husband. I don't want to marry a stranger. I can't do it. I'm an American. I'm not like them. Ruth, Amina, and Joseph all had a very close relationship. In fact, Ruth ended up becoming almost like a mother to Amina, and they were always communicating with one another. As Amina and Joseph's relationship grows, so do Amina and Ruth's relationship. And she started to confide in Joseph and Ruth about what was truly going on behind closed doors in her home. Of course, during the relationship, like I mentioned before, they would email back and forth. They would write love letters. They would meet in secret, all of these things. However, the letters are what ultimately brought Amina and Joseph's relationship to light to Yasser Saeed. Amina was reportedly writing a letter to Joseph that she had not given to him yet. Um, her father came in, found the letter, and went off. Amina, of course, denied that Joseph was real, said that it was just a make-believe boyfriend, and that it was just all in fun. He didn't believe her. In fact, reportedly at this time, her father... Yasser Abdel Saeed drew a gun, said that he would shoot her for bringing dishonor to the family. Now, in addition to these reports, there are also other interviews with students and friends of Amina and Sarah that corroborate this. Some of them state that Amina had come to school with welts all over her body and busted lips. Um, another one stated that Amina's father had kicked her in the face after finding out about her having a boyfriend. Her lips were pretty much attached to her braces, but they wouldn't take her to the doctor because her family feared that her father would be taken to jail. Um, another thing that they added to the interview was, I remember her telling me that her dad told her he would take her back to Egypt and have her killed. He said, it's okay to do that there if you dishonor your family. Now, the girls having boyfriends is all what led up to, allegedly, Yasser deciding to take the girls and move. So that this way it would break up 
Amina and her boyfriend, and that they wouldn't be together anymore. Um, after they'd been there, no one really knew from their old school what had happened to the girls. They just kind of up and disappeared because the girls didn't know that this was a plan. It was kind of an overnight pack your bags, we're getting the heck out of here type deal. There weren't arrangements made. So during this time while they were gone, Amina reached out to Ruth Trotter, Joseph's mother. She reached out to her by email, and this is, of course, when their relationship grew even closer, and they had more of that mother-daughter type of a relationship. Um, Amina had reached out in these emails just to let Ruth know that she is okay, that her father had moved them, and to please tell Joseph that she loved him and that she missed him. After Yasser found out about the girls having American boyfriends, moving their family, and allegedly threatening to kill them, the two girls, Sarah and Amina, started making plans to leave. While Yasser was out of the house on Christmas of 2007, the girls convinced their mother to finally leave and come run away with them. Their mom agreed. They all packed a bag and got in the car and left. According to interviews later, it was revealed that both of the girls removed their SIM cards from the phones so that they couldn't be tracked. Um, right before they actually ran away, Sarah sent a message to a friend of hers um, that said, Me, Mina, and my mom are running away. My dad found out about Mina and is going to kill us. Of course, her friend then responded asking what was going on and if he had threatened them or, or what. He was trying to find out what was really going on behind the scenes and, and kind of get the full story. She ended up telling her friend and responding in text, stating, Before he told me that he was going to put a bullet through her head, today he told me to get used to my sister because she's not going to be with us long. Of course, during her text to friends, they didn't tell anyone where they were actually going in fear that their father would find out. But we now know that the girls, their mother, Eddie, Sarah's boyfriend, Eric, all fled. First, they went to... Kansas initially to see Patricia's Aunt Jill. While they were there, Jill states that Patricia told her, Jill, there's no way I can go back to him because if I do, he will definitely kill the girls. She also allegedly told her younger sister Connie the same exact thing and that the reasoning was because he had found out about the girls' American boyfriends. Now, after their visit with Jill and talking to her sister, Connie, they then decided to drive to Tulsa and grab a hotel. The following day, December 28th, they then signed a lease under an assumed name so that that way Yasser couldn't track where they were living. Um, now, during this time that they were gone, Yasser and Islam would go and file a missing persons report on Patricia, Sarah, and Amina. Now, in response to this, law enforcement checked in with Patricia, and Patricia told law enforcement that Yasser had been violent in the past and that she was afraid that Yasser would kill the girls or severely hurt their daughter, and that's why she decided to leave him. And like I mentioned before, of course, um, the girls had taken their SIM cards out so that Yasser couldn't track them. However, it appeared from phone records that Patricia had not and that she was still in contact with everyone. Um, on December 26th, she actually, which is the day after they left, she was already talking to all three, Islam, Yasser, and Yasin. 
All three of them. That doesn't sound to me much like you're in hiding. The girl's escape was short-lived. On December 29th, their friend Eddie had had to go back home due to his job that he had had. He had a couple different things that he had to do before he could quit. After this, we get a few different versions as to why the girls returned. Between December 30th and 31st, according to Patricia, the girls and her both all decided together that they were going to return home back to their father. Now, according to Connie, which is Patricia's younger sister, they state that, or she states that Patricia and Sarah knew about returning back home, but Amina didn't know. Now, according to other people, neither of the girls knew. Patricia was the only one who knew that she was going to go back to Yasser and that the girls had no idea. Now, during this time, supposedly the girls had actually thought they were coming back to Texas to visit their grandmother's grave and put flowers on her grave, visit for New Year's, and then that they would return back to their apartment away from their father and Islam, still keeping their safety. However, huh, when they returned, Patricia then told the girls, we're actually going back home to your dad. Well, Amina said, absolutely not. I'm not going back and you're not going to make me go. So Amina ends up going and staying with a friend of hers, Eddie. While Amina is staying with Eddie, Sarah goes home with Patricia back to Yasser and Islam. Of course, obviously this really upset Amina because she was worried about the safety of her sister and her mom and she couldn't believe that her mom had lied to her and had gone back to her dad after everything that he had allegedly done to her. She knew this was not going to end well. However, despite Amina being worried about this, she still refused to go home. She thought it would be better if she stayed somewhere else. So according to Patricia, Amina supposedly came back to the house eventually on New Year's Day because school was going to be starting in the next few days and that she needed to get school supplies for when school did go back in session. However, according to records, Amina's phone records show that Patricia was blowing up Amina's phone, constantly saying, Come home, come home. You need to come home to your dad and to your sister and to me. We need to be a family. And I know you're not happy with him right now, but he's sorry and he just wants you home and all of this. Now, we may not know what ultimately led Amina back to home that day. Whether she ended up returning to the house for her concern over the safety of her mother and her sister. Whether it was trying to get through to her mother to let her know that she would no longer live with her father regardless of her efforts of persuasion. Whether it was for her friend's safety that she was staying with or something else entirely. Despite her fear, Amina returned home on January 1st of 2008. Now the events that unfolded that day would be one of the most tragic, heartbreaking and enraging acts of violence. After Amina returned back home to the Saeed's home that day on January 1st of 2008, the abuse and horror only continued. And this time would be Yasser's final act of violence 
towards these two beautiful, amazing, intelligent young women. Yasser allegedly told Patricia that evening that he had wanted to take Amina and Sarah out to dinner just between the three of them because he wanted to work things out and that he was glad that they were home. Unfortunately, they never made it to dinner that night. On January 1st, 2008, 911 operators received two phone calls, the first being the most chilling. This call would take place and would come from an injured Sarah from the back seat of her father's taxi cab that was parked in front of the Omni Mandalay Hotel. Now this clip is quite hard to listen to, the 911 call that came from Sarah. So if you don't want to listen, maybe fast forward about 10 seconds. What's going on, ma'am? I'm dying, that's what's up. Irving Fire Department. Ma'am, are you still there? Ma'am, are you still there? All I've got is she's telling me she's dying. I'm getting... I've got a... Are you still there, ma'am? Ma'am, what is your address? During this call, Sarah identifies her shooter as her father, Yasser Abdel Saeed. Unfortunately, according to law enforcement, because they were unable to receive a location on where the girls were, they couldn't find them, but immediately had started searching for them. Shortly after around 8.30 p.m., another call was received from another cab driver near the stand who had stopped to see what was going on because he saw a car there, saw it looked like somebody was sitting in the car but wasn't sure. He walks over to the vehicle and sees a slumped over Amina in the front seat with blood coming out of her ears. It appeared that she was no longer alive, according to his 911 phone call. When police officers actually arrived to the scene um, where Sarah and Amina's bodies were found, they found 11 different bullets had been shot. So Amina, who was sitting in the front seat of the cab, had been shot twice, and Sarah was shot nine times in the back seat of the cab. Now, no one is, was around in the cab. It was just Sarah and Amina. Yasser was nowhere to be found. Immediately, the police officers start scanning the area and combing the area for any kind of witnesses, suspects, or anything, and they could not find Yasser. Yasser disappeared. As time went on, family members of the girls would be out searching for answers, passing out flyers, you know, showing Yasser's picture to everyone, seeing if they had seen him, so that justice could be brought for the deaths of Amina and Sarah. However, Patricia allegedly didn't want Yasser's picture or information out there, and so she got angry with her family members, went to the Irving Police Department, and tried to get them to stop looking for Yasser. Now, there are also reports that state that Patricia spoke with Yasser at 9.06 p.m. on the same night that he allegedly murdered their daughters. Just 36 minutes, approximately, after the second 911 phone call had come through. Kind of weird. Now, of course, during this time, Patricia allegedly states that she has no idea where Yasser could be hiding, doesn't know if he's with family, if he's in Texas, if he's flown 
you know, fled to Egypt or, or where he is, no one knows. But by 2014, six years later, there still had not been any word or any kind of leads that had brought Yasser Saeed to justice. Not only had there not been answers given by 2014, they still had not been able to find Yasser Abdel Saeed by this time either. It wasn't until the documentary called The Price of Honor, which I'll link below actually in the description so that you guys can watch it too if you'd like, that this particular case actually started gaining traction and was given more attention by the media and word was spread about the horrific murder of these two beautiful young women and what had happened. Um, a lot of people believe that it was an honor killing and that he had killed his daughters in order to bring honor back to his family after they had dated American boys. Um, this particular film actually came out um, mid-year and by 2014, December 4th, 2014, as a matter of fact, less than three months after the documentary debuted, Yasser Abdel Saeed was placed on the FBI's most wanted list, where ultimately there was a potential $100,000 reward. Now, 2017, still, he had not been caught. August of 2017, there was a promising lead that came in from a maintenance worker who had actually been called to Islam's residence to fix something at the house. The maintenance worker noticed a man in Islam's apartment that looked suspiciously like Yasser Abdel Saeed. Finally, 13 years later, on August 26th, just this past year of 2020, Yasser Abdel Saeed was arrested. He was found hiding not far from the original murders in Texas. Um, and it was found out during surveillance prior to his arrest that both Islam and Yasin had been assisting in helping Yasser hide for all of these years. Um, due to their involvement, both Islam Saeed and Yasin Saeed were arrested in Euless, Texas. Um, Yasin and Islam were ultimately charged with helping Yasser evade prosecution and capture, aiding and abetting him during this time on the run. Um, Yasser Abdel Saeed was charged with two counts of capital murder for the death of the girls, as well as unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. Um, currently, Yasser Abdel Saeed is in federal custody and is awaiting his day in court and could potentially even receive the death penalty in Texas. Okay, guys, so that concludes this case and all of the information that I have for you right now. Um, of course, as this goes to trial and more and more things are brought to light, I will make sure to keep track of all of that and update you guys as soon as I'm able to on the trial and the sentencing and everything that ensues there. Before I go, I have a few things I want to say about this case. There's a lot of speculation, um, whether this is an honor killing for the family because the girls were dating American boys, whether it was a father pissed off because he didn't have that control that he had had for so many years and that the girls, despite what he thought, still wanted to marry for love and were growing into independent young women who can make their own decisions. 
I guess my biggest question here is as a mother myself, being in an abusive relationship before myself and getting the freaking hell out of it for my children, why didn't she? Why did Patricia not stand up as a mother for her two daughters and say, you know what, Yasser? I'm done. I will not let you treat our daughters the way that you treated me for so many years. From the time that I was 15 years old, taking me in and raising me, so to speak. I will not ever let you do that to the girls. Why didn't she do that? I get there's a lot of fear behind abusive relationships. I get it. But your kids got to be number one. That is your job as a mother is to protect and fight for your children. But instead, when they finally got free, you convinced them to come home so y'all could be a family again. There are a lot of questions that I have from, you know, why didn't the state take over the charges of, of the sexual abuse allegations from back when the girls were eight, nine years old to why their mother made them come back to Yasser at home. Like if she wanted to go back and be in that relationship and still be in that situation, fine, whatever. But why did she force the girls to do that? The girls were only 17 and 18 years old when their lives were taken I personally think that there were more people involved in this murder than just Yasser. We already know that Islam and Yasin supported Yasser or they wouldn't have hit him for 12 to 13 years until he was caught. I think that, I think their mom knew more than what she lets, lets on. I think that there should be a lot more people that are questioned and potentially charged in this case. But I guess we will see with what happens. What are you guys' thoughts on this? Do you think that this was an honor killing? Do you think that there was someone else involved? Hopefully some of these questions that we all have are answered in the trial phase of this case. And hopefully we'll all be able to find out a little bit more. And not only that, but that the girls will be remembered for being amazing, beautiful women, young women who loved and tried to protect one another when their own parents didn't. And I think there's a lot of ways that we can potentially remember them and honor them and help share their story so that maybe others who are in a similar situation maybe can find some resources and some answers and some help through all of this. Anyways, whew, that was a heavy case. Like I said, incredibly tragic such an incredibly tragic case but let me know what you guys think about this particular case what you think about the information that has been shared and what your thoughts are about what truly happened that night if you believe that Yasser is guilty that he's the one that killed his daughters if you think that Patricia's involved and potentially Yasser's brothers other than just Yasin and his son Islam. And what do you think ultimately led to this? Was this an honor killing? Was this something just out of rage? 
Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. And make sure to hit that subscribe button and post notification bell so you don't miss any other future updates on this case or on others. And until next time, my mystery lovers. Bye.